Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell, joined by another uh, consulting colleague of mine who I've had the pleasure of speaking with and learning more about. We're going to learn more about today. His name is Ron Higgs. He's a fractional COO with Wolf Management uh, Solutions. He's an executive and a veteran with over 20 years of experience in the aerospace and defense industry, focusing on operations, engineering management, and program management. He has a lot of insight that he'll be able to share with us today. Ron, thank you so much for carving out some time and making your expertise available to uh, to us today. Well, thank you uh, very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's kick off the interview. You have a really fascinating background. Um, I have my notes from our last conversation, and uh, I'd love for you just to sort of walk everyone through how you got to where you are, how you became this fractional COO uh, doing all the things that you're doing now. Uh, because it's a very interesting story. So feel free to uh, kind of walk us through that, if you would. Well, it, it is a non-traditional path. And probably, uh, like me, you enjoy hearing stories of uh, how people got, you know, to where they are. Absolutely. Uh, because a lot of times there's some interesting stories that, that go along with it. I'm not sure mine is that interesting, but I will say that I started uh, in the Navy. So I uh, right out of high school, I went to uh, the Naval Academy prep school and then the Naval Academy, uh, spent my years there and then uh, went into aviation in the Navy. Uh, I was a Naval flight officer, which is a co-pilot navigator, operator yeah. of aircraft weapon and sensor systems. So goose. And well, you're uh, goose top from gun. Top Gun. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Go, I fared a little bit better than, uh, than goose. Right. Um, so I did that. I also did uh, what we call in the Navy. Uh, I I switched to become an aerospace engineering duty officer. So I did program management and acquisition. So I did, uh, I worked on uh, research and development programs uh, for the Navy. Very cool. Uh, real, had a great career, ended up becoming a, uh, a test pilot, attending the U.S. Naval Test Pilot School, uh, becoming a flight instructor there. And at one point, I was actually a candidate to be an astronaut uh, with wow. NASA. And yeah. uh, a lot of my colleagues became astronauts and are still astronauts. And uh, I was disqualified for medical reasons, so I had to move forward. Yeah, uh, Finished my career in the Navy, uh, as I said, as a uh, aerospace engineering duty officer. And uh, my last job in the Navy, I was a spacecraft manager for a satellite program. So yeah. I, I got to do sort of a, a wide range of things while I was in the Navy. Uh, when I got out, you know, like a lot of people, you know, yeah, not really sure what I wanted to do. So I started off working as a consultant for a small consulting consulting firm in Seattle. And I worked on the, uh, they provided consulting and staff support to Boeing. So I worked for Boeing. Uh, I worked at Boeing on the 787 program uh, cool. for a couple of years. Uh, moved on from that, went to a defense contractor and did some sales and business development long enough to know that I didn't want to spend the rest of my career in <laughs> sales and business development, but sure. it's come back full circle, of course, uh, as an independent consultant. Right. Uh, I left that job and went to fly for Boeing. So I flew the uh, P-8 aircraft and I did flight tests for Boeing and essentially uh, flying the airplanes uh, on their first flights out of the factory to make sure that everything's okay. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, among some other things, but uh, that that's, that's good enough explanation. So uh, from that, uh, I ended up moving on within Boeing to become the delivery manager for that aircraft. So I was in charge of delivering all of those airplanes to the Navy. Uh, challenging job, uh, challenging with the government as a customer. And then I uh, got promoted out of that job for Boeing uh, as a senior systems engineering manager of a large engineering team. And, and at that time in my life, I decided that I needed to change. So I sort of abruptly quit. Mm -hmm. uh, left Boeing, left my corporate career behind, and uh, went to work for a couple of startups. Uh, those startups didn't really go, <laughs> didn't uh, really go as well as I had hoped, and I ended up uh, becoming an independent consultant. And I just had to find my way. I started off doing leadership, leadership development, executive coaching, things that I was good at. I looked at my career. And the common theme in my career was leadership. I'd been in charge of, you know, large engineering and technical teams. And I found that I had, um, I found that I had uh, some success in helping people move forward from becoming individual contributors to people managers. So I found mm -hmm. some success in that. Uh, did a few, uh, you know, just like independent consulting is difficult. So I did a, a few things to find my way. Um, 
And I ended up just by pure luck uh, and and networking, uh, becoming a COO of a small company. Um, that was great. A uh, yeah. fellow CEO is a fellow Naval Academy graduate, a few years ahead of me, former Navy Blue Angel. Uh, learned a lot from him. And uh, COVID-19 uh, forced an abrupt end to that job because mm. our primary product was keynote speaking and training. Right. And those you know, dependent on large gatherings of people. And uh, we were unable to sustain the team. So uh, so I had to move on from that. Um, I rebranded myself as a fractional COO because I found that I really enjoyed being a COO. And as a someone who has a master's degree in systems engineering, I, I do like to look at everything in terms of the system. So what I found is I could break down a business just like a system in engineering. And I really enjoyed working with all operating functions of the business to help that business move forward. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of my education and experience in systems engineering helped me to do that. Um, so as a fractional COO, I ended up, um, you know, looking for work. COVID is tough. Right? Sure. I ended yeah. up uh, landing another COO job, which ended up being a W-2, the um, the CEO wanted me to come on as a W-2. I did that for a while and and uh, figured out that they really needed someone in that position that could help with business development because it was an industry in which I did not have uh, any previous experience. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot in that role. Hopefully they learned a lot from me. And here I am right now, uh, sort of between gigs. I took a little bit of time off and now uh, just looking around uh, for the next opportunity. I have a couple of proposals out to be sure. a fractional COO couple of different places and uh and here I am so a long winding road and I will say I lost I left Boeing in 2017 mm-hmm. and here we are now in 2021 so it's been four and a half years for me and in that yeah. four and a half years I've probably done more things and learned more things in the last four and a half years than I have in the last 14 and a half years so it's been uh, it's been quite a ride uh no doubt and and for you to say uh for for a Navy aviator, a naval aviator, and a test pilot to say that the last four years of being an independent consultant has been quite a ride. That that, <laughs> that carries some weight coming from you, and it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, it certainly doesn't carry the weight coming from me to say it that way. But I I totally understand that part of the ride. Um, I think it's I think you know your background. No doubt that we could spend I could spend hours just asking you questions about your experiences. Um, you know, in the cockpit and so forth. And, and maybe someday I'll subject you to that if you're willing. But uh, but nevertheless, uh, first of all, thank you for your service. Uh, I, I think it's really important to to celebrate um, veterans and and to to tell their stories in particular. Right. Uh, the work that you were doing both in the Navy and then in the private sector related to aviation, I think, is it's always been fascinating to me. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but my sister works at Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, uh, an aerospace engineer. And so there's a special place in my in my psyche, in my heart for for folks who are in that world. And uh, she from the time she was a, a, a little girl, she wanted to, you know, potentially be an astronaut candidate and, and her aspirations changed. But she still got to be quite involved with the space program. So it's always nice to to hear someone else who was right there as well, especially in the higher echelons of the atmosphere too. Well, I will um, say it's a privilege and an honor for me to serve my country. It, it really was. And um, uh, it is, it's always feels good to be recognized uh, by my fellow Americans for that service. Well, so thank you. Absolutely. No, it's a it, really great to talk with you today and, and to highlight, highlight what you're doing now, but, but also, you know, what you've done in the past, because so much of what, you know, we, you talked about it being a long and winding road and I guess everybody, you know, I I do these interviews a lot and everybody has their own story. And, um, but I think so often, even though the road looks very, uh, zigzag, right. Very winding. It's amazing how much you carry forward from past experience that informs and leads you to where you're going. Uh, and how much of your past experience and expertise you call on that you, you know, at a glance, it may say, well, what could that possibly, you know, how could that possibly inform this, this decision from, you know, early on in my career, how could that possibly inform this situation with a client or this situation with my own business? And it is amazing how 
even though the road is winding, the threads are are all there, right? There's a continuum that, there. That's absolutely true. And it took me a while um, to actually realize that. And if you'd allow me to, to, to share this, um, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but I carried a lot of lessons learned from naval aviation into my professional life. Yeah. And it's just recently that I that I started thinking back and going, man, there's a lot that I learned from aviation that I apply in my daily life. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Sure. Everybody that's been through flight school knows your three priorities. One of the first things they teach you in flight school is what are your priorities? And those priorities are aviate, navigate, communicate, right? So that's the aircraft. So if something goes wrong in that aircraft, aviate, keep it flying. Okay. Keep that aircraft in the air, whatever you need to do. Yep. Navigate. While you're keeping it flying, don't fly it into a mountain, right? So you, you go, you know, keep it going in the direction you need to be going, right? And then communicate. The last thing is now start communicating your intentions, right? So that's sort of a clear lesson in priorities. And so for me, I, um, as I work with CEOs hmm. and I work with people, the first thing I do, well, what are your priorities? And I make sure that those priorities are aligned. And I think if everybody knows what the priorities are, then they'll always be able to make the right decisions, you know, when they need to. And then you have your priorities in life as well, right? I have mine, you know, health, relationship, finances, right? So health, yeah. you know, you got to keep yourself healthy. You're no good to your family or anybody else if you're not healthy and you're not taking care of yourself, right? Yeah. Relationships, right? Hey, maintain all your my relationships with my family. That stuff is important. And then financial security, finances. Yeah, that's we all need that. But those two things are are uh are more important, I think. So these are those are mine and people have to uh figure out their own. And um so I care and there are quite a few more lessons that no uh, that I carried from aviation. And I'll just give you one more as an example because this one's good too. Uh, feedback, being open to feedback mm. and learning from it. Every flight that I took, you, you have a, a brief, you execute the flight, and then you come back and debrief the flight. Every single flight had a debrief. So we all come back and we talk about what happened. We talked about anything that went wrong. We talked about the things that went right, right? Sometimes we're not so nice to each other. Uh, hey, you really screwed that up, right? Yeah. But ultimately, you end up learning from that. And sure. so you and you get used to that feedback and you use it to become that much better. Right. And so that's one of those things that I that I found that I was using, you know, feedback, asking for feedback. And because feedback is uncomfortable for a lot of people. Right. And it's also seen negatively for a lot. But I, I credit that that feedback loop with making me, you know, better at everything, everything that I sought out to do. Mm -hmm. I think so. That's yeah. just a couple of examples of things that I brought with me from naval aviation that, that I didn't even realize. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really important. Um, so I wrote, I wrote down aviate, navigate, communicate, and uh, and health relationships and finances, which are you know I can absolutely relate to. But I think this this idea of of having clarity on your priorities, and you also mentioned that one of the things that you had identified throughout your entire career was a focus on leadership development. Um, yeah. and, and it occurs to me that um, I, I'm, I'm not been in a cockpit of a naval jet, um, but it, it occurs to me that in that you have to be so in the moment in, in a leadership role, right? Uh, when you're, when you're, you know, flying in that, you, you are in command of, of that vehicle, of uh, that craft. And this aviate, navigate, communicate seems so simplistic, but it's also incredibly profound. And it has direct, it seems like it has direct application, as you already alluded to, it has direct application to, to any business leader, to any entrepreneur, to any solopreneur, to, you know, the independent uh, professional consultants who are listening or watching this. It seems like we could take those same priorities, aviate, navigate, and communicate, and apply them almost directly into our own careers, our own lives. And then it seems like that process that, you know, those priorities are a process. That process could also perfectly um, align or overlay into the three areas that you mentioned, health, relationships and, right. uh, and finances. Right. So well, within each of them, we're aviating, we're navigating, we're communicating. Yeah. yeah. 
businesses too. You know, with some right. businesses, you know, listen, people, purpose, profit, right? And so um, if you have those, then again, and if those are clearly communicated throughout, then I think, again, it influences the culture. And I think the employees and everyone on your team will make the right decisions if they understand those priorities. Yeah. So if you look at your people and go, here are our, here are our priorities, people, purpose, profit, yeah. those three. And so if something comes up, you know, they start thinking, okay, let's take care of the people first, right? And then, you know, just start, what is our purpose? Let's move forward with that. And then we'll worry about the profit, right? Yeah. right. Um, so, so again, those don't have to be yours. Those are mine, sure. right? But as long as I think those are well communicated, uh, everybody will make the right decisions. I will give you another quick example of how um, what you learn about prioritization, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's been on an airplane, I'm assuming, right? And you know when you're getting that uh, briefing from the flight attendants and right. they say, in the event of emergency, put on your mask first before you put on anybody else's. Right. That's a clear lesson in priorities to me, right? So if you understand that, hey, wait a minute. If you've got a kid, you've got a small child with you, if you've got someone else that really needs help, mm-hmm. you can't help them until you help yourself, yeah. right? So put those on first. That is a clear lesson in how to establish priorities, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, and that's, that, that's the way I think about it. Right? And, and some people may not think about that. And hopefully that never happens to anyone, right? It's a rare sure. occurrence where that happens, yeah. um, but you need to have that have those priorities set in your mind because during an emergency or or when things sort of go bad, go south and whatever, you don't want to, you might not necessarily have time to think about it. You may be caught up in emotions and that may cause your judgment. But if you understand the priorities, I think it'll help you act that much faster and with that much more clarity. And this is, this goes back to your point about, um, about feedback as well, um, about letting other you know, depending upon other people to help you and to give you that critical feedback. And I think, you know, you you said and alluded to something I think is really, really important in today's world. And I want to I want to uh, pinpoint this because what you're talking about in terms of priority and feedback is so vital in our industry and being a professional consultant, especially if you have a small consultant consultancy or an independent and you're B2B it can so often feel like we are alone and we're an island and we're in this, you know, totally on our own and by ourselves. And that's one of the reasons why, frankly, selfishly, I created this podcast was because I was starting to feel that way. And this podcast is a way for me to not only network with fantastic people like yourself, but also to to get feedback from them, to learn from them, right? To not feel like I'm an island. And then the listeners and viewers, I get you know, inspired by them as well, uh, their feedback about the show, good, bad, and different, right? It's all valuable. And, and so what I was going to say is it seems like too often in too many parts of our society, um, people are unwilling uh, or completely dismissive of feedback. They see it as a personal, they see critical, um, thoughtful feedback as a personal attack. And honestly, if it's done properly, if the feedback is done properly, given in with the right intent, it is the opposite of a personal attack, right? It is actually, it is actually about personal empowerment. It's actually about trying to make someone, or it's, it's, it's truly about trying to help someone. It's up to that person, whether they take the feedback or whether they don't, and and not everybody's advice is great. I mean, just, you know, call it like we see it, but at the same time, being able and open, right? Looking and listening for that feedback and being open to it, that's where all the best, at least in, in my world, in my business, you know, I haven't created the best things that I've offered into the market, right? They've come from my clients, uh, giving me an right. idea or giving me critical feedback uh, or saying, you know what, you do that really well. You should focus on that more. Okay. I, I'm listening. And so I think feedback is a, is a source, um, a source for uh, some of our best work. And if we yeah. ignore it or if we dismiss it, or if we take it as a personal front, when we start to get that feedback critical, though it may be, I think we're, we're cutting our legs out from under us a little bit. You're right. And, l- and let me add this. Um, 
usually what you're good at as an individual, what you're really good at comes so naturally and easy to you that you might not even realize that you're good at it. And it takes somebody else to come up and say, you know, you're really good at this. And so I find that to figure out what you're best at is to ask other people. That's some type of feedback, right? Ask other. So I've tried to surround myself in in the COVID-19 and the pandemic. It put us all behind our desk, you know, in front of our computers like we are now. But it also, for me, I've met more people in the last year and a half than I have in the last 10 years almost because I've reached out to all these groups because you're working you're working for yourself, but you don't necessarily need to be by yourself. So I've affiliated myself with other consultants, with other groups, several other groups, several other people that one, as a consultant, I'd love to be able to walk into any place and see that someone has a problem and be able to recommend someone that can help them with that specific problem. So I think I've got it covered. If I can go in and somebody needs, well, we really need help in uh, you know training our sales team. I know somebody that can do that, right. right? I really need help, whatever it is. I know somebody that can do that, right? But I also use those people for feedback and accountability partners. I have a couple of accountability partners. Um, and then I think you always need people to run things by. Hey, what do you think about this? Or right. it could be simple as like, hey, I just sent out this proposal. I, I I just finished this proposal. Can you just take a quick look at it? So I have a second set of eyes on it. Just look at it for common sense, spelling errors, that kind of stuff. I mean, support like that, you know, is invaluable. And, yeah. and then, you know, and you, but you need someone that will really be honest with you and not just, you know, spare your feelings, right? Just yeah. say, hey, listen, that, oh man, that, that didn't come across well. You have yeah. to think about this. So uh, reaching out to others for that feedback and that help is the best thing I think that I've done. I mean, I've learned a tremendous amount and been able to uh, accomplish things with the help of others that I would not have been able to do myself. And, and that's another piece to this puzzle, too, which is not just being willing to getting the feedback, but we, being willing to ask for it. Right. Being oh, willing to ask for the help. I mean, that's. One of the one of the bravest things I think that we can do as business leaders, especially if we're independent or we have a small firm, is is pushing our ego to the side and saying, I, I can't know everything. I don't want to take the time to even try to learn everything, but I know someone who has expertise in that area. So let me go engage with them, whether formally or informally, right? Being willing and bold enough to say, I'm not. I don't know. I need help. And this is where, you know, I want to get into some of the discussion about the work that you do um, as a fractional COO, as as an operations leader. Um, Because when a business brings you in, when you're operating in that role of of COO and you're coming in and you're looking at their operations and you're trying to maximize efficiency and speed things along and also maintain a high enough level of quality and effectiveness in the processes and so forth – there's a lot. There's a lot of variables there, uh, and you I, maybe you talked about. You know, I think you maybe have alluded to the three key ones in terms of your methodology. But people, purpose, and profit. You have to make sure those things are all in alignment, and that they're not uh, getting in the way of one another. Maybe you can speak to. Maybe I have a kind of two quick questions for you here, Ron. But one is uh, your services and the solutions that you provide, and your work in as a fractional COO. What who's your ideal client? Who who's the you know the type of not necessarily industry, but the type of business that you think could most benefit from your services? And I'm just interested in, in learning that. But then secondarily, what does an engagement with Ron look like as a COO when you go in and you're working in that COO that fractional COO capacity? So I will say in total uh, uh, humility, what you do is a weakness for me. Uh, so a focus on operations and understanding how processes work and can work together. I appreciate it. I have tremendous admiration and appreciation for it. And I know how important it is. But in terms of rolling up my sleeves and tactically getting in there and making that happen, I'm I'm not the guy. But but you are. So I'd love to learn more about uh, that expertise and what you might recommend to someone like me, who that's not, uh, you know, it's not second nature. It's not something that we've done our entire lives in terms of developing processes and following them, What, how we might get better at that or what types of things we should be looking for. So again, ideal prospect. And then what does the nature of your work look like? 
first, we look at the CEO, right? They've got to be willing to and understand that they need help. They have to be looking for help, right? So it's sort of a, let me be an interim number two, a chief of staff, a second command, a right hand, you know, whatever you need, right? And mm-hmm. ideally, it's a small and growing business, right? So small, let's say 5 million or less, right? To, uh, because that's literally, that's right around the, the time where you're thinking, hey, maybe I should bring on a COO and bring on somebody that can help. And, you know, maybe I work myself out of a job. Uh, maybe I get some things set up or maybe I help help them until they decide that they want to roll per, uh, for, to someone to fit permanently right. um, into the role. Sure. Um, so there's one thing that I use. And if uh, there's a book out there called Traction, Rocket yeah. Fuel, I, you've heard of this, right? You know yeah. how they separate people in those categories of visionaries and integrators, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's easy, right? So it's not like DISC where you need a class and some training and all sorts of other things to be able to interpret it, yeah. right? You look at it, visionary integrator, pretty easy. Most of the CEOs are visionaries, right? Sure. And so I am an integrator. And so visionaries, hey, you're an idea person. You've got the ideas, right? Which I don't have, but integrators, those are the people that come in and bring those, you know, bring those ideas to life and also inter- interject some reality into some of the things. And I'll give you an example. I work with a CEO that says, hey, I want to come up with this system where we pay people, we pay people within 48 hours of X. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we have a large team, we do this, you could potentially pay people every day. So, okay, let's look at what that looks like. Let's look right. at a payroll company. Let's look at paychecks. Let's look at some of these other things. And what would it take to be able to pay in individuals every day to set up something like that. I'm not sure that at our level, at startup role, we're going to be able to do that. That may be something we can aspire to, yeah. right? But it's not anything we're going to be able to, to come up with right away because there's a lot of moving parts there and that's not as easy as it sounds. Right. Um, so anyway, that's just like, hey, he's a visionary. He envisions this something great. And I kind of brought him back to reality and it went, <laughs> oh, not sure we're going to be able to do that um, right now. Yeah. And so the other things that I help do is, you know, some of them, I can think of one person in particular that said, listen, I have a lot to learn about leadership. I don't think that I'm that great of a leader, right? And there's some things that I'm good at, and there's some things that I'm really weak at, and I, I need help with those things. Mm-hmm. First of all, kudos to him for realizing or it's like hey, knowing what he doesn't know right. and to being open to bringing someone in to help. Him. So I do some coaching and uh, leadership coaching and advising as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And then every engagement is unique. It yeah. all depends on what is needed. And I start off with the simple stuff. What is the mission of this mm-hmm. company? What is the vision of the company? What are their values? And then you sort of get to know everybody. And I look at the org chart. And a lot of times, you know, somebody will go, org chart? Right. Yeah, we don't <laughs> okay, have that. So yeah. there's a good place to start, right? Okay, yeah. let's create one. And then let's let's kind of create the one that we have and then the one that we want and the one that we want to grow into and then figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna grow into that. So every engagement is unique, right? And it all depends on, yeah, hey, what would you like to accomplish? Where are you now and where do you want to be? And that takes a lot of, some folks don't know. It's like, hey, I'm just surviving. I I just still want to be in business. Or, hey, I have this idea. I want to move us from here to there. And I just need some help doing that. And you have to figure out, okay, let's look at, let's look at what the priorities are, like we talked about, and let's start working on those priorities. Let's look at the processes that we have in place. Some places it's simple. It's like, is there a process for that? And okay, there's no process. Yeah. So let's create one. That's that's okay, right? Yeah. It's it's really simple, right? Step one through X and who's gonna do who's gonna do it and in what time frame is it gonna be done? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just takes it's just as simple as holding someone accountable for getting things done. Uh, there was an example of a um I worked with one company and like, hey, we've been trying to get this going for the last year. Mm-hmm. Or they were trying to switch over to a new project management software called Asana. 
Yeah, sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we've been working on this for a while. It's like, okay, let's make it simple. You know, I picked somebody. I was like, you're in charge and it's due by the end of July. Yeah. And it needs to be done by the end of July. Guess what? It got done by the end of July. Right. So all it took was to put someone in charge and set a deadline to it. Yeah. And that was it. So again, every engagement is every engagement is unique. And part of it is just going in and listening. You know, mm-hmm. asking questions and listening to what needs to be done, and then having a meeting with the leadership team. You know, here here's what I've observed. Here are my recommendations. How would you like to proceed? Because one of my consulting tenets is I make recommendations, you make decisions. Yeah, right? I like so, that. Yeah, that's great. So that's how it all starts, and uh, it it really is. Great. I learn. I strive to learn a lot from every interaction, and I hope that they learn from me. Yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt that they do. And and the thing that I like about your approach, um, so one of the things that I talk about with my clients is a framework called clarity, confidence, and control. Because I believe as consultants uh, or strategists or experts in a particular area, um, you know. Those are our, you know, in, in my estimation, those are our three jobs, regardless of what area you're focused on, whether it's ops or finance or marketing or whatever it is. Our job is to bring clarity on what is the problem and how can we fix it, confidence that the solution that we're implementing or integrating will work, or that if it doesn't, there's confidence around the contingency, uh, and then control over that thing that before was, you know, chaotic or uncertain, or we didn't have our head wrapped around it at all, or it was left to its own device. Now we are asserting a level of control over that that area or that thing or that process or whatever. Right. It and it occurs to me that your model um, is, what I love about your model is, again, what I said before, it is simplistic, but profound. And what I mean by that is you talked about prioritization. You're going in and you're identifying first based on what is the purpose, what is the mission of the organization, uh, and what priorities support that. What are their existing challenges? What are their most important priorities? And then why aren't they achieving? Uh, presumably, they're not achieving their priorities like they want or those goals that they want. So why not? Right? Well, maybe they haven't been communicating. If, and that yeah. sometimes, I mean, and that seems simple, but maybe that's a problem as well. Well, and that's it, right? Finding finding that breakdown point in what I'm hearing you say is that in my head, right? This is just not my ignorance, right? My ignorance is that operations problems are always complex. They're always overwhelming. They're always, you know, uh, something that that I that I defer, that I procrastinate on because I don't want to try to tackle that big problem. And what I'm hearing you say is sometimes that big problem is not a substantial problem at all. Sometimes it's a little, you can just implement a little hinge that'll swing open the big door. It's just a little thing. Not always. Sometimes I'm sure they are complex issues, but oftentimes it's just one action or two actions that you can take that will change that paradigm and allow you to fulfill that. For it, you just know, like the Asana, I'll give you an Asana example, example of, of when I was, uh, when I was delivering airplanes, um, when I was in charge of delivering airplanes, you know, we had a, we had a timeline for doing this sure. and the, we were exceeding before I showed up, we were constantly exceeding that timeline and um, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get this thing back to where we can execute it in the timeline required. Uh, so contracts is a large organization, right? So yeah. contracts and imagine government contract <laughs> for buying an airplane. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of, you know, the parts list for the aircraft is pretty long, you know, all that. So contracts takes a while. Right. It's a pretty complex process. And what I figured out when I got there is it was taking about five days between the time that we finished, you know, with the airplane and we were ready for contracts to sort of get everything done and get the thing signed off and delivered officially delivered to the military. Yeah, I decided. And so. I asked, I was like, do we have, when I showed up, I said, do we have any standing meetings with the contracts people? No, we actually had no line of communication with no direct line of communication with the contracts people. So I called the right people, set up a meeting, and I just put them on the aircraft status. I I put them on the distribution list for the aircraft status. And say, here, here, who, who do you want to be on the distribution list? So you know, when the airplane's ready. And after we did that, 
that processing time went down from five days to one day. And all it took was for me to add, to set up like a weekly or weekly meeting with the contracts folks to sort of let them know what was going on. But the biggest thing was just to include them on the distribution of the aircraft status. Right. And and again, you know, it's like, oh man, we got a problem here. How do we solve that problem? Yeah. Okay. I just added another couple of names to a distribution list that had about a hundred people on it and problem solved. So sometimes, like you said, some of those big problems may have simple solutions. Now I got lucky there, right? There's some that didn't have such simple of solutions. Of course, of sometimes course. Sometimes there are complex interpersonal relationships that you have to deal with. Yeah. But that, so, that was yeah, a good example of a simple solution to a, you know, to a relatively big problem we had at the time. Well, and you think about, you know, I, it is a fantastic example. And, and like you said, certainly there are, um, not to overly simplify it, certainly some ops issues are going to, you know, complex problem, complex solution, right? It is, but I think too often people who are not in that world, we just assume that the problem is complex and the solution is complex. What you're suggesting is sometimes, and what you're saying in, through, through example, is that sometimes, I won't say often, or maybe it is often, probably more often than I think, uh, the solution is actually quite, quite simple, but you have to be able to know the core of the problem. Like I would, I would have gone in there and said five days is the best we could do. Right. Cause I don't know how to think about that issue, but that's where your expertise comes in and your background comes in. You're looking at the problem. You can say our contracts being communicated with consistently. No. Okay. Well, let's fix, let's fix that and see what happens. I mean, the impact that that had, right. Taking down that processing time by 80% is a mass. I mean, I, I don't know what the, the valuation of that impact was, but it would be would have been significant, um, and uh, no doubt. And so, again, I think that I've got a lot of takeaways already from our conversation, Ron. But one of the ones that I have is that whatever operations issues I'm facing or that a client is facing, the the solution may be complex, but maybe not. Right? There may be a very simple um, direct answer. And it would require someone like you to be able to see the whole problem to find that. But I think that's I think that's really important. And so I, I want to take that and go one more uh, place with it, if you don't mind. And let's think about um, our respective businesses. And when I say our respective businesses, I'm thinking collectively of of this universe of independent uh, solo or small consultancy firms who work with business leaders, um, you know, C C level executives or other executives, all the way from you know, multi-hundred million dollar ventures all the way down to potentially, you know, new business startups. And we've got people listening and watching this, you know, who could cover that gamut. From a, and I know you said that each situation um, was, you know, unique and and different. And so accepting that, I'm still going to ask you a very, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but thinking about the fact that our businesses, even though, our respective expertise is different and the respective expertise of the people who are listening and watching is, is varied and different. The nature of, of what we do in terms of we go in, we, we work with a business to help them improve their condition in some way. The nature of that is, is the same. So from an op- operation standpoint, what would you say are key breakdown points that, you know, since you've been talking to other consultants or maybe that you've seen in your own business that you had to create over the last four years, what would you see are, are common or likely common challenges or breakdown points that consultants have uh, that you've observed or that you can imagine? And what would you say we need to do about it? I can I can I can be a guinea pig here if you like. Um, one of my issues is my calendar gets out of you don't have to speak directly to this. I'm just giving it as an example. My calendar gets out of control way too often. So I'd love to have a more regimented, disciplined structure to my calendar, but I'm not holding myself accountable to that apparently, or I'm letting, I'm letting, you know, the tyranny of the urgent drive my calendar more. So I'm aware of the problem. Uh, and that's just one, one ops example, but that's the type of thing I'm talking about. What's been your experience starting your own business in terms of how to um, get your operations down to where it, you, you're not reinventing the wheel every time you work with a new client, right? There's certain processes and things you have in place. And then with the infrastructure of your business, um, you know, keeping that um, solid, keeping that running 
not seamlessly because there's always going to be issues to fix, but keeping that running relatively smoothly. What's been your experience as a consultant and what what suggestions or recommendations might you share with people like me trying to become more operationally minded? Uh, in well, terms of first, our there's trial and error, right? I mean, you, you got to just jump in and start doing stuff and figure out what's working and what's not, right? I mean, you, enough, yeah. you just have to, right? And as a consultant, you know, I, I break it... I. I break it down into three things I think you have to do as a consultant, right? You have to deliver a product, whatever that is, right? You have to run a business, right? And you have to sell, right? Where are your priorities at the time? So let's go back to priorities, right? What are your priorities at the particular moment? Because they can change, Yeah. right? Because sometimes selling, you know, you may end up, and I learned this when I first started, Oh man, I think I just overcommitted myself. Mm. And you have to be realistic about what you can produce, right? Yeah. So for me, I try to go um, 28 hours a week of client work with the rest as work for the business, right? I mean, and that's low, right? But if, if you're working 40 hours a week for a client or clients, right, where do you have time to sell or run your business? Yeah. Right. So so you're, you may have to back that up and figure out what kind of lifestyle you want to be too. Right. Do you yeah. want to do you want to work on the weekends? <laughs> right. Do you want yeah. time for your family? Did you leave your corporate job to make more time for your family? <laughs> right. right? So, Only to have less. Yeah. Are yeah. you delivering your products remotely um, or do you actually have to go to a client site or do you have to fly somewhere? Right. And so all of that, really, you have to take all that into account. Mm-hmm. Right. To really yeah. figure out how many hours you can really work. So if you book yourself out for 40, okay, I can do 40 hours of work for a client. What that's that going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Because it doesn't really leave time to sell or run the business. And then, okay, so the running the business part. Okay. That running the business part, that is the accounting. Hopefully you can automate that, right? You find find the right tools, right? So there's so many tools out there. I use QuickBooks personally, works great for me. Yep, me too. Right. And so, uh, and then the selling part. Okay, how are you going to sell? Are you going to sell through your, your presence on LinkedIn? If you understand how the LinkedIn alg- algorithm works and, and do some, you know, spend some time figuring that out and build your network. You can spend a minimum of time on LinkedIn and maximize your presence. You can go in, you know, just a few times a day, comment on things or post something and keep keep the conversation going to keep that. But you also have to figure out, am I going to am I going to work locally? Am I going to show up to chamber meetings? Is that going to be right. worth it? And you really have to step back and figure out what in terms of selling, right? What is it that you're, what's working and what's not? Yeah. Uh, three or four hours a day on social media. Is that really working for you? Right. Right. And yeah. so, and then there's another, uh, something else that I use, and this is relatively recent, mm-hmm. right? There's a book out there called The Big Leap, and I forget okay. the, uh, I forget the author's name. Um, however, um, actually, I'll tell you in just a second. Yeah. Sure. Um, there you go. Oh, cool. Big, okay. So this book talks about set, uh, splitting things into zones, things that you're good at. So you let's say you have a zone of incompetence, a mm-hmm. zone of competence, a zone of excellence, and a zone of genius, mm-hmm. right? And so your goal is to spend as much time in that zone of genius as you can, yeah. right? Because that's where what you're best at, and that's really what you enjoy doing. Right. So if there's something that's in your zone of incompetence or even your zone of competence, you may think about paying somebody for that. Right. So in other words, oh, hey, I've got an IT problem. It's going to take me several hours to figure it out. I can do it, but it's going to take me half a day to do it. And for me, I'll use Excel. I'm my my Excel, my my Excel talents. I'm not as strong as I used to be because I just don't do it as much, right? Because sure. I used to have teams of people that I could just say, "Hey, can you build me an Excel?" So it shows me sure. this. But if you ask me to do it myself, I can do it, but it'll take me half a day, where it'll take somebody else a half an hour. Yeah. And so, is it worth it for me to do that, or keep doing a cost benefit analysis? Going, hey, if I'm if I build myself out at 200 bucks an hour, 
And I spend four hours doing this when I can pay somebody else 20 bucks an hour to do it. And it'll take them less than an hour. And it really makes the most sense for me to do that. And I think you have to really think about things and and be honest with yourself in terms of sort of what you're good at. Thus, all of those zones of competence, excellence, and genius, right? And figuring out what you can outsource and what you can't. And there are so many resources these days. In fact, I spent last week on a webinar learning about virtual assistants and how what virtual assistants can do for you and and really how cost effective they are and that I am in the middle right now of figuring out what I can have a virtual assistant do um, that'll pull some of those things off of my point. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully that answered. I mean, that's just a couple of things it's great. Uh, that I help with. And I have always kind of at heart been a process improvement guy. Not a process, not necessarily process improvement, but I everything I go into, every place I go into, I always think about how I can make it better. And I've always done that from the beginning. So when I go, how can I make this better? I look at everything and I find myself overly critical at times because then I'll walk into a Starbucks and go, man, they should have the line over here and they should do it this way. You know, I mean, it's just it's just a habit. You know, it's 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 an obsession of trying to, you know, make things be more efficient and better. Right. Well, there, there are there are much worse habits, Ron. So I think right. you're. And so I always try to. I, I'm always. Okay, how can I do this better? Yeah. Right. And so that's why you know things pop up, and I go, yeah, I'm gonna. I think it's worth my time to listen to that webinar and sort of learn about a little bit more about what virtual assistants can do. Yeah. And so I'm still in the middle of that, and uh, maybe next time I'll let <laughs> I'll let you know. We'll go there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I think this is this is phenomenal, and I. I um, I'll definitely check out the big leap. I had heard of the book, but uh, wasn't familiar with with its premise. So that's fantastic. And the other note too, which I think is really great, and I hadn't thought of, hadn't really thought about breaking it down in that way, right? I mean, I keep I keep my my work time, and I try to end a certain time every day and start a certain time every day, and I have a certain amount of work hours that I want to work on a weekly basis. But what I haven't done consistently uh, that makes perfect sense to me is creating containers for those three things. Right, running the business, selling, uh, delivering the solution, um, creating containers that have have actual <laughs> they have actual maximums attached to them, right? And it's easy for me and, and probably a lot of you know like you entrepreneurs and stuff to say, oh, we can do more than we think we can. But if we don't put the limitations on those containers, then what kind of like you said, what kind of a lifestyle we're we really creating? We're creating more stress with the whole point of having our own business was to reduce that, right. And to have impact. And so I think um, that's really, really valuable. I've got to figure out what my, got to figure out what my, my, uh, uh, my resonant numbers are, right. What, what's my formula for, for that breakdown. So it's great. Um, yeah, well, when I started, I did not live with my wife. Right. So we, we, so I was by my, I was living in a condo by myself I mean, we were together, but we sure. didn't live in the same place. It, and I would find myself, you know, 7.30 in the morning is my deal. I get up, work out, do all the things I need to do. And I try to be at my desk at 7.30 every morning. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, you know, at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., sitting at my desk going, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, so um, I, with her help, once I moved in, you know, there's times where, you know, if I'm still sitting down here at 5.30, 6 o'clock, she's calling down and going, hey, what are you doing? That's the account. That's the accountability we're talking she, about. She has the same problem, right? She she works too, so it's, we we kind of try to do it to each other. That's good. Um, but you know, you, you definitely need the help of a supportive partner if you find yourself putting too many hours. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, this has been fantastic. I have pages of notes here uh, beside me as we wrap up. A couple of quick uh, final questions. One is kind of a big question, but you can answer it however you care to. Um, You've obviously done a, an incredible amount, right? You've you've lived multiple lifetimes in the span of one already, uh, in terms of your experiences. And I think that's so fantastic. Um, top lessons learned. It can be personal, can be professional, but during your career, lessons learned that you think might be valuable for our listeners and viewers today. Well, I, I mean, we went over a few of them, right? Mm-hmm. As far as setting priorities, uh, setting goals you know, setting priorities and then being open to feedback. And then one of my general philosophies is just 
kind of be open, right? Be open to everything. Be open to feedback. Be open to opportunities. Be open to thinking outside of the box. Be open when other people are talking with you. Yeah. Try and have empathy for those folks. And I will, I'll, I'll leave you with the three things that I aspire to do sort of every day and that, that keep me grounded and keep me moving forward, right? And, and those three things are the first one is solving the right problems. I think we're all problem solvers. Everybody's a solver problem, a problem solver, but solving the right problems is key, right? Yeah. And you, you know, you hear that example of, hey, are you rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Right. Or are you, you know, really trying to get the problem solved? Uh, building and cultivating relationships in order to lead people, in order, I, I think whatever you're doing, in order to get people to trust you, you're you're building a relationship, right? You have to, as a leader, you have to build a relationship with people to know what motivates them because right. you can't lead everyone the same. You have to figure out what motivates that person. And the only way you're going to do that is to build a relationship with them. Sure. And the last one is inspire others. When, when I was a leader, when I was in positions of leadership and people walk out of my office or I walk away from any sort of a interaction, I would think to myself, okay, did I inspire that person to act? Did I inspire that person to do what they wanted to do? Uh, you know, was it positive? And so hmm. those three things help keep me grounded. Right. So solving the right problems, building relationships and inspiring others. And that's, Fantastic. you know, that's what I try to do. Yeah, I, I, I those, those are worthy missions. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. So if someone wants to find out more about you, your practice, maybe they have a client that, that needs your help or your service. What's the best way for someone to learn more, potentially getting, you know, getting uh, LinkedIn is always the best way. I have a website, uh, www.wolfmanagementsolutions.com, currently under construction, though. So I think if you go to it right now, all you're going to see is under construction, but I am working on the copy for that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I should have it up and running soon. But in the meantime, I will always be up and available on LinkedIn always open to connecting with others and building my network and, you know, seeing if there's someone in my network that can help you uh, move forward as well. So yeah, that's, that's great. LinkedIn is the best way. Fantastic. Okay, good. We'll make sure and include that in the information with the show, the interview. Um, Ron, again, uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and your expertise. I really appreciate it. Uh, really great, uh, enlightening and fun conversation. I'll look forward to the next one. Let me thank you, Scott, for binding me for our initial conversation, for uh, for reaching out and agreeing to have me on the program. Uh, thanks again. I can't thank you enough. And for your support of uh, the veteran community, uh, that that's much appreciated. That goes a long way. Every veteran really, uh, it, it really impacts us to hear from our fellow Americans, uh, their appreciation for our service. Well, so thank you for that. Well, I thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate you know, it. My, my privilege and pleasure. And uh, I'll look forward to uh, us staying in touch. Me as well. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. For Consulting with Authority, everyone, this is Scott Cantrell, as always, wishing you the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.